0: This is The defrag. I'm Christopher Lawson. In late October of last year, Mark Zuckerberg announced a big change for Facebook. Facebook is one of the most used products in the history of the world. It is an iconic social media brand. But increasingly, it just doesn't encompass everything that we do. Facebook was going to become Meta signalling a huge shift in focus for the entire business, one centred around the concept of a metaverse. I believe the metaverse is the next chapter for the internet, and it's the next chapter for our company too. It's a term that Zuckerberg has been throwing around for quite a while. But what even is the metaverse, and how could it affect our social interactions? We're a company that builds technology to connect people, and the metaverse is the next frontier.
1: When I think of the metaverse, and I think there's been a lot of criticism around um, exactly this kind of vision, it's really, it's kind of just like Second Life.
0: This is Professor Ingrid Richardson from RMIT University. Ingrid researches new media technologies and says the concept of a metaverse is quite similar to what Second Life offered. For those who don't remember, Second Life was a simulation game launched back in 2003. And it offered a place where you could live as an avatar in a digital world. You could run a business, you could go shopping, you could even buy a house.
1: So it's basically what's called a persistent digital environment where we can work and play together. Um, so it's where it's kind of like an internet that we can walk around inside of, I guess. So rather than just kind of communicating online through. Um, you know, kind of text or, or voice or, or, um, or video, that we can kind of enter it, um, so to speak, and walk around inside this kind of persistent digital environment. So it's a sort of a full digital experience of, of, of society um, and community, ideally. That's the utopian vision.
0: Right. So you, you put on a, a virtual reality headset, you enter the, this so-called metaverse, uh, and you, you know, participate in a digital a digital life.
1: That's right. So instead of uh, what we currently have, it would be, I guess similar to certain kinds of game environments where we encounter each other's avatars um, and then therefore can kind of engage in supposedly a kind of a body a bo- embodied, a more embodied experience. so we're actually kind of meeting each other um, in terms of this kind of uh, and, and seeing each other in, in an embodied form.
0: You know, a lot of the examples that, that get used, I know uh, Mark Zuckerberg uses the example all the time of like having a, a virtual meeting with someone, uh, you know, we're doing this interview over, over Zoom, uh, you know, so he pictures this world where the meetings that we have, we'll, we'll just have them in a virtual meeting room and I'll see your avatar, you see my avatar and, and that sort of the situation.
1: Exactly. This is exactly the same vision that Second Life had really, like which was many years ago. Um, So I think our VR experiences have improved uh, uh, to a certain degree and they've also incorporated haptic elements, so, for example, data gloves uh, and things like that. But I don't know that it actually gives us a vastly different experience to the kind of experience that we would have had in second life. Um, which is basically where you kind of travel through an environment, you can fly if you want to, et cetera, um, and you kind of have an avatar's kind of point of view, and avatars actually encounter each other. The one difference is, of course, is that we don't, we have this now, VR has a kind of this this headset um, scenario, so it kind of more closely simulates a real experience because you've got this kind of wraparound uh, vision.
0: As you say, Second Life was such an early leader to this space. So why is everyone not already just using Second Life?
1: I think for a few reasons. I think it um, it clearly doesn't really simulate reality or, or, or real interaction. I think, you know, one of the really big issues I think is around, and that's really come to the fore, particularly with COVID, is this idea that we all are experiencing this kind of skin hunger. In other words, we're not touching. So both Social scientists and neuroscientists claim that we're currently experiencing this kind of crisis of social touch. So it's partly because of COVID and that when we don't touch each other physically, um, that there's this kind of real, uh, um, we experience this kind of uh, um, depression, um, you know, really negative impact on well wellbeing. Um, but it's also because touching in and of itself has become, particularly in public spaces, has become really fraught with all kinds of issues and taboos around personal space. So we don't touch enough, particularly if we live alone. And in my view, VR and the metaverse well only and and second life as well that's why it wasn't sort of sufficient is that it exacerbates that very problem in other words when we when we spend a lot of time in 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 virtual environments then um then we we actually we experience this significant lack in other words those kinds of environments they they it's a very reduced sensory experience so we, we it's it's visual and auditory yes The haptic element is kind of questionable because there's been quite a lot of research done in terms of whether haptic touch can actually simulate real touch. And most of the research suggests that it can't. In other words, the brain literally does not respond in the same way as it does to skin on skin or or person to person touch. So there's that element. I think that there's a lot of hype around well, it's just kind of like you know, it's like reality, right? You can actually interact with other people in this way that that uh, that is is sufficient, but it clearly isn't. There's a very significant lack, and so we still need and desire to have face-to-face communication, and that's been very obviously the case since COVID, and we've had really everything's kind of gone gone online.
0: Ingrid also says one of the other problems with Second Life was that the negative sides of the internet could become quite pronounced in a virtual space. When hiding behind anonymity, people kind of become the worst of themselves.
1: Um, You know, people were, they perhaps didn't behave as they they would in a face-to-face context. Um, And so I think that's one of the other, you know, significant aspects. Lots of other, I think, I mean, Second Life probably, it wasn't quite as... Uh, we we have a much more sophisticated modes of networking now than we did, obviously, um, you know, with Second Life. But I think that this vision of the metaverse it's very utopian. It's got this kind of utopian vision of what technology can offer us, um, where in fact what we've seen, and that's been so highlighted during the current, during the pandemic, is that it, it is that it just cannot stand in for for for, for sensory experience um, um, that we get from face to face communication.
0: While Second Life still exists, Meta and Facebook have something that Second Life never has had, scale. So how could that scale change the adoption curve of the Metaverse? That's coming up after this short break. If you're enjoying this episode of The Defrag and you want to support the work that we're doing, head on over to our website, thedefrag.com, and become a Defrag member. You can get an ad-free version of the podcast, a sticker pack, a regular newsletter, and discounts to our merch. Plus, there's a number of other perks depending on your membership level. Becoming a member is really the best way to support the show. It empowers us to produce independent journalism and gives you the best of the podcast without all the noise. So head on over to our website, thedefrag.com, and become a member today. Mark Zuckerberg has bet the future of his entire business on the metaverse. But these sorts of virtual environments have never really taken off. A huge amount of investment has gone into virtual reality, but people really haven't embraced it. However, the one thing that Facebook has is scale, with over 2.9 billion people using the platform. So given the scale that Meta has through Facebook, will this push into the metaverse be successful?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I suppose my I mean my own understanding of of the way that people are responding to Facebook's metaverse is overwhelmingly negative. And that's because Facebook has already many issues that it's not dealing with um, around bullying and toxicity um, and doxing and all other kinds of forms of you know, um, incursions on privacy um, and things like that. So I think that there's a lot of uh, hesitancy about accepting Facebook's vision of this because Facebook already is, 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 is very problematic.
0: It's easy to focus on the negatives of this so-called metaverse, but Ingrid says there's also some positives, some advantages to having these virtual realms.
1: There is. I mean, they're very positive things, and they are in relation to, say, education and training, Um, being able to, say, train surgeons to perform surgery, to treat phobias, for example. I know I'd really benefit from a bit of VR spider therapy, for example. You know, like that kind of thing, very helpful in those. You can go on virtual tours. You can also, one of the real advantages of thing is, is that you can see the world through the eyes of others. So people can actually create experiences, say, for example, um, of, uh, of what it's like to, um, for an, an Indigenous person to experience landscape. So I know that there's a lot of work in those kinds of areas. So you can see the world through the eyes of others and actually so it broadens our, our perspective, uh, generally speaking, I think that there you know there are some real real benefits um, uh, in those uh, in those contexts. So it's not to kind of detract from that. I think that there are really significant benefits, but I think that really we also need to be very aware of the fact that it's not um, it's not going to take over, you know, because history has shown us that technologies only really become part of everyday life when they're actually just become actually meaningful in our everyday interactions you know embedded in those and kind of intermeshed with those with our everyday interactions and our experiences so um so it's only to the extent that vr can do that i think that 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 it'll be that it'll receive really widespread uh, uptake
0: do you, do you think then that it's a bit of a risky bet for mark zuckerberg to have you know basically bet the entire company on this on this idea
1: yeah, I think, I think that really what's happened to me, I mean, looking at the, you know, when I look at, you know, Twitter and, you know, like just social media commentary on it, people are very uh, affronted and, and uh, annoyed by the fact that he's actually appropriated this term for something that actually already happens, you know, in game environments, for example, like, you know, it's and, and also just kind of in a sense appropriated this sense of, you know, what cyberspace is, it, it's a it's and it should be democratic. Like it's it, it's you know this is Berners lee's you know, vision of 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 the web was that it be this kind of democratic space of sharing and collaboration. So I think that overall people are quite, uh, you know, very highly irritated by the way that, that 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 Zuckerberg and Facebook have kind of appropriated that. I think it is a risk. Um, I think that we we yet to see really widespread uptake of VR. In, in in you know even previous you know uh, VR technology so I think it is a risk um, most definitely and I hope uh, my hope is is that uh, Facebook failed dismally in the in this in this uh, in this venture because I do think that it actually is something that needs to be collaborative and shared and and democratic and and if 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 you know Facebook succeed in this kind of over this kind of takeover, if you like, then it definitely won't be that.
0: Also in the news today, Nick Clegg, Meta's head of policy and communications, is getting a new title. He'll now be the President of Global Affairs and report directly to Mark Zuckerberg, highlighting some of the challenges that Meta has dealing with governments making policy decisions. Clegg was previously the Deputy Prime Minister of the UK, joining Facebook in 2018. Spotify is continuing to spend big on the podcast space, purchasing both pod sites and Chartable. The goal is to improve measurement and attribution, which Spotify says are two big challenges for advertisers. The purchase price for the businesses was undisclosed. And the Red Cross says that a cyber attack which compromised the data of 515,000 people worldwide used a set of advanced hacking tools designed for offensive security and commonly used in state-sponsored attacks. The hack was discovered last month, and after an assessment, the Red Cross says it was highly sophisticated. Some of the malware deployed onto the Red Cross servers was specifically crafted to bypass their anti-malware solutions. It's not yet clear which group organized the attack. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. James Parkinson is one of our producers. For more coverage, check out our website, thedefrag.com. And if you love what we're doing, share it with a friend. That's all the news for today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.